0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today's podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. You know that feeling when you drive down a nice neighborhood and you see that one beautiful lawn perfectly trimmed? What must it feel like to come home to that lawn? Knowing the work you've put into it and the pride that comes with that? Well, the same can apply to your body. Keeping yourself properly trimmed and smelling great not only gives you the confidence to step up when you need to, it might surprise and delight your partner. So use Manscaped. Manscaped is the official sponsor of our podcast, and it's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. The Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so you won't nick or snag your nuts. That's fun to say. And don't use the same trimmer on your nuts that you use on your face because... Let's be honest, that's kind of gross. So right now, you get 20% off with free shipping by using the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's armchair. Always use the right tools for your family jewels. Your balls will thank you. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pelts fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast, sponsored by Manscaped and MyBookie. I'm your host and contributor to BirdRights.com, Preston Ellis, along with my co-host and chief editor to birdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. How was date night, Ali?
1: It was fun. Yeah, needed to get out. You know, we're in the midst of a really bad, poor losing streak. So just surrounded by negativity. So it's just good to get away from everything.
0: Yeah, and center yourself. Uh, well done, you too. All right, let's 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 go on to the main course. We've got a very special guest. We're super excited. Our second guest, New Orleans Pelicans color analyst, as well as co-host to Sirius SM's Give and Go, Mr. Antonio Daniels. How are you today, sir? And more importantly, how's
2: Philadelphia? Philadelphia is really cold. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee, Milwaukee was even colder. So it was like nine degrees in Milwaukee. It's like 39 degrees in Philadelphia. So basically, it's a heat wave in Philadelphia from where we just came from but um you know it, it, it uh, tonight's a big game obviously um like all of these games have been and it, it'll be nice to see this team um eventually eventually turn this corner and get this monkey off their back
0: Yeah, for sure, and we're talking basketball, so let's go ahead and dive right on into it. Uh, We're about a quarter of the way through the season, a little bit past that. The Pelicans have lost now a franchise record 10 straight, but aside from wins and losses, obviously uh, the expectations differed based on who you asked uh, prior to this season. But based on your particular opinion, how have they performed relative to your preseason
2: expectations? Well, the thing is, my preseason expectations, I had them in the playoffs. But there are also certain things in the preseason that you can't predict. You know, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, Derek Favors has missed almost 17 games. So he's missed 16 full games, and then he played in the first quarter in Miami Heat game. Dion has missed all 25 games. Zoe has missed eight. Josh Hart has missed seven. Ingram, four. Okafer has missed six. And they've had 14 different starting lineups. I can't predict that when the season starts. You know, um, it's difficult enough when you have so many new faces to develop chemistry. But when you add injuries onto the equation and to the fact that up until today, thus far, the Pelicans have had the most difficult schedule out of all 30 teams in the NBA, when you take all of these things into consideration, I mean, it's tough. You know, if you have told me coming into the season, well, 25 games into the season, the team that you have, Right now, going out and starting in the preseason, you won't have that starting five out there one time thus far. Well, I might have told you a little something different. You know expectations vary um, injuries are a part of the sport, and it's something that you have to deal with and you know there are some games throughout the course of this season that, as me as an analyst as a former player um, and I'm sure you guys as fans and and writers and journalists and Pelicans fans have been incredibly frustrated with, you know, you look at the Dallas Mavericks game, you look at some of these other games where both Dallas games, the one at home and the one in Dallas, where it's like, man, you know, this team needs to be better than this. And, and they do. And, and, and this, this is the part that's weird to me. So this team has lost 10 games in a row. And I understand there's an the amount of frustration that comes along with that. But if you think you're frustrated, how do you think the players feel? I'm at every practice. I'm at every shoot around. Um, I'm at the team brunches, all these different things. And trust me, these guys are far more frustrated than the fan base is, far more frustrated than anyone else is because they're actually doing it. They're entrenched within it, they actually determine and dictate the outcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard, obviously, and been around uh some teams for a lot of years, and, and you're absolutely right, Antonio. And you can feel it whenever we talk to the guys. You can just tell. That's the last thing you want to do is talk to the media about, you know, what's going on. Because deep down they're hurting, but they want to, you know, outwardly talk about it too much to us because of, you know, how that can go off the rails. So let's kind of get at what has been going on, though, kind of basically gone really awry. Because we know, Antonio, the defense just hasn't been there. And large part of that is because Derek Favors, you know. We've barely seen him, and when he's been on the court, he's often been nursing an injury. So we haven't seen a healthy Derek Favors. So that's really hurt. But offensively, Antonio, this is what I want to ask you. The offense has really suddenly suffered from, you know, good execution, from being efficient. So over these last 10 games, it's kind of not a surprise to see them lose these 10 games, right? So can you explain what has exactly happened or gone wrong with the offense?
2: Well, I think this this is the reflection of a young basketball team. I guess you can say a young and team, you know, outside of JJ Reddick and outside of Derek favors and drew holiday, you know, you're really talking about a young team. Brandon Ingram is a budding star, but he is still a really, really young player. You know, Josh Hart is only in his third season. This is a young basketball team. And what comes along with that is a lot of times when you struggle offensively, that carries over to the defensive side of the floor. And also, offensively, you feel like you have to get it back on your own. You see this team dig into holes, and it's a 10-point game. And I say all the time on our broadcast that there's no 10-point shot. There's no 12-point shot. So the difficult part with this team, and it happens with every team, though. Every team that that, that has a vision of success is you're going to have to go through storms. Individually, you're going to go through storms. And collectively, you're going to go through storms. This is not a short-term fix. You know, and and Griff has said this from day one. He has said this from day one. Like, look, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. And his exact words, I believe, were, if you're in this for the long haul, then let's dance. You know, when you look at at clutch minutes, and uh, this team has lost many games down the stretch for lack of execution. So the question i have for you guys is what guy on this roster is accustomed and used to closing out games throughout the course of the nba career
0: no and that's the most important question it's a great transition because what i was going to go to next uh obviously there's disappointment with uh you know defensive guru jeff bezella coming in and still having the 27th ranked defense ali's already touched upon the 20th ranked offense but the pelicans have had multiple opportunities to close out games uh they've been i think in more clutch situations than all but five teams. I'm doing that off of memory in the NBA, and during that time, they've been very bad offensively, with just an 82 offensive rating, shooting just 31.9 percent from the floor. Uh, some of the the leaders, or I should say, uh, the the worst plus minus players during that time are Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram. Some of the guys that we rely upon in these situations to be efficient to close out these games for us, we've seen uh, players like Drew Holiday be very good at that in uh, and uh, a stretch last year in 2018, 2019 we had the what we called the Drew crew the year before in 2017-18. Of course, you had Rajon Rondo and Anthony Davis, but they were one of the best in the league at closing out games. Now we're in an opportunity where we just need a bucket, and these guys are leaders. Like you said, Drew and Brandon Ingram, they just can't get it for us. Where are the Pelicans falling short in these clutch situations?
2: They're falling, they're falling short by, like, obviously you can look at, in certain instances, execution, but also just uh, listen to hot. And I know that sounds like the easy way out, but you know when you're watching some of these games, I was just talking to somebody about this today, and you're watching certain teams that find a way to win games. The bounces just seem to go their way. I'm watching the Oklahoma City. Um, I forgot who they were playing the other day. I don't know if it was whoever it was. 1.1 seconds left. Stephen Adams throws it long. Schroeder catches it in rhythm and lays it in, and then they end up winning in overtime. You know I'm watching San Antonio on Sacramento. Sacramento's up six with with 35, 40 seconds to go, and they end up losing that game in overtime to San Antonio. So it's like one of the NFL coaches said before, and this is a truest statement, when you're losing, it feels like you're never going to win, and when you start winning, it feels like you're never going to lose. And it's like right now when you're losing, no bounces seem to go this team's way. No bounces. And that's something that they have to find a way to change. You know, And in Phoenix, Brandon Negro had an opportunity at, to end the regulation, to knock that shot down, win the game. Didn't hit it. Same in Detroit. But you know what? Derrick Rose comes down, and he hits that shot. So it, it comes down to just making and missing shots. But the thing that I would like to see more out of this team is just ball movement. Ball movement. Trusting each other offensively the same way you did early on in the season. And that's a sign of a younger basketball team. Early in the season, before this 10-game losing streak, you're talking about a team that was in the top two or three in the system. Then when you start to lose games, you see the, the the trust or the lack of trust start to creep in a little bit. And the assists, then you go from 30 assists to 25 assists. Then you have a game of 27. Then you start getting in the low 20s. So it, it's just a trust factor that comes along with winning and losing basketball games. And this team will get there. This team will get there. I promise you that. This team will get there. This is a storm that nobody's pleased with. But to get where you want to go. Sometimes you have to go through situations like this to grow.
1: Yeah. Speaking of growing Antonio, we know, and you've already mentioned it. We've talked about ad nauseum all year that it's really young group. So let me ask you this. How hard is it for these guys to basically adopt this style of uh, offense that Alvin Gentry's running, which is really free flowing, which we heard JJ Redick, you know, early on in the season say, he's never played in a more free flowing type of offense. So with that, of course, you know, we harp on shot selection, stuff like that. So do you feel like this offense is kind of, I don't want to say problematic for the team because they're such a young group, but again, do you think like it's been a hindrance in maybe potentially winning some games or just these guys getting, you know, into a good rhythm?
2: So so free-flowing to me, and you guys let me know if this means something different. Free-flowing free, free flowing for me just means play basketball. That means who? Right. Read and react. And I, I, I tell you what, for me as a, as a former point guard, if a coach tells me three things, I'm good to go. Play fast, be assertive, and be aggressive. that's that, that, Man, that, that's what I want to hear. You know, the thing is, everybody wants to play fast. Everybody wants to play fast. But there's an amount of responsibility that comes along with playing fast, and it's not as easy as it looks. Because there's a difference between playing fast just to play fast and playing fast, and playing smart. And the youth with this team, sometimes you can see the latter of the two. And you can see J.J. Reddick slowly but surely trying to reel it back in. Um, you know, th- this is the hard part about the NBA or any professional sports is, you know, you can look at the the, the won't bow down uh, motto and you can look at some of the things that Griff said and people expect an immediate return an immediate return. That's not the way sports works. You look at where the San Antonio Spurs have been for quite some time and look at where they were prior to Tim Duncan. You know, you look at where the Los Angeles Lakers have been for the last six or seven years. Philadelphia 76ers, prior to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and other. There's a storm that comes along with success. Everybody wants the be the, the next best thing. All right, come on, man. We said we won't bow down. That means we should go 82-0. and No, no, no. You're going to lose some games. You're going to lose some games in the process, and as fans, you want to see effort. I completely grasp that concept, but we need to let go of the fact that everything this season was going to come together just with one season of work. That's not the plan that Griff has, and that's not the outlook or vision that we should have as fans and analysts either.
0: Yeah, I think we all get caught up in the beat people's asses, Drew Holiday for MVP, that conversation, prompting players, getting the uh, fan base excited. Obviously, uh, we were all intoxicated off the lottery luck that we got with Zion but, Williamson. But
2: that's a, that's a good thing, though. Like, you know, you, you know, when we talk about that stuff, what is, what, what's the, what, what is, what is Griff supposed to say? Like, what's the alternative? Because I know he feels that way about Drew. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he feels that coming into this season that that's exactly what it, what he wanted to do. He mm-hmm. wanted to kick people's tail. There There's no, like I said, and like he said when he came on with us, like he he this ain't no this ain't no drop year. This ain't no year where you don't come in and say, all right, well, you know what? We played hard. Let's just throw it away and move on." No, 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 no. That wasn't his. That wasn't his thought process at all. And it's still not ours. You know, and the fact that you see people really – and when I say overreacting, I I don't want to sound insensitive because I do understand the frustration. Again, I am at every practice. I see the frustration. I am at every shoot-around. I see the frustration. The players are frustrated with where everything is right now. But they are the ones who have to get themselves out of this 10-game losing streak, regardless as to how we feel on the outside looking in. I just think some of the negativity that is being thrown at this team and at this organization for lack of transparency and all of this other stuff, I I just think it's misguided.
0: No, I 100% agree with you Uh, here. I think we've all uh, become uh, a victim of our own expectations. And some of that has been set up, uh, you could argue by the organization, like just to take for an example, if you've got a new color analyst for Fox Sports, Nolan, you say, hey, this guy's the best in the business, then obviously you go into that telecast expecting a phenomenally called game. But if somebody says, hey, you know, this is somebody who's, you know, just just learning the craft or something, then that's a changed expectation. But that's something that you as the viewer or or the customer in in that regard, you are shaped by that predetermined expectation at this point. Now we've got you on the podcast. We can we can shift from where our expectation was to the 2019-20 Pelicans, and we can we can take that patience that you're talking about and realize these guys are going to grow, and that will allow me to transition to a very important player within the Pelicans organization, somebody that we all had a lot of hope for, and that's Lonzo Ball. And I don't know if you uh, are familiar with Coach Thorpe and Henry Abbott of True Hoop, but they just come out uh, with something recently about an hour ago uh, just writing that, quite simply, he's not going to grow as a player until he starts uh initiating contact, getting to the paint, getting to the line. That's something the Pelicans used to be very good at, getting to the paint under Alvin Gentry. They haven't been doing it this year. They've been lying on, relying on a three-point shot. I think they're fourth in the NBA in three-point shots right now. Uh, why, Antonio Daniels, have the Pelicans been hesitant to drive to the paint offensively? And talk about what your uh, impressions have been of Lonzo Ball thus far.
2: Well, I, I think one of the things, and we talked about this in our Open um, against Milwaukee, I think one of the things is identifying, both individually and collectively, what a good shot is for you as an individual and for the team as co- collectively. Understanding time, score, situation, game flow, and trend. And what I mean by that is this. You know, if you go back to the Detroit Pitching games when the Pelicans were up 12 at the half, the first five shots of the second half were three-point shots. First five shots. He took 10 three-point shots in the first six minutes of that quarter. What I'm saying, you should have an internal clock that tells you, you know what, man, we're not taking a lot of threes. I need to lower my head and get to the line. I need to attack the rim, try and get contact, get to the line, and and stop this run of the Pistons. You know, um, J.J. Redick doesn't have the same – his shot selection can afford to be different. Because his resume is different. His reputation is different. You know, um, what he's done in this league is different as far as that three-point shot is concerned. So everyone doesn't have the same freedom. You know, if J.J. Reddick shoots a step-back three, go ahead, do it. If J.J. Reddick shoots a three, running off floppy action or whatever, go ahead and do it. Everybody doesn't have or shouldn't have that same freedom. And I understand the offense is free-flowing, but free-flowing does not mean without discipline. It does not mean without understanding. And what I would love to see more out of Lonzo ball is Lonzo's six foot six. Six foot six. He's long and he's athletic. To use that frame. To use that frame. You know, he Coach Fred Benson and Lonzo have done a fantastic job in working on his three-point shot. You can see the mechanics are completely different. That shot is nowhere close to where it's been. And it looks better. Free throws look better, uh, three-point shot looks better, and the confidence. Is better, which I think, which may be the most important thing, but that's a piece of who you are. That's not all of who you are. You have so much more in your toolbox than three-point shot and step-back three-point shot. In the games where you see Lonzo going downhill, four to draw contact, to get to the line, and to facilitate, this team is a much better basketball team. The games that you see Drew Holiday with a scoring mentality, where he's aggressive to score first, and then he can adjust to make plays. This is a much better basketball team.
0: Gambling. It's not the most prevalent of topics at the family barbecue, but the truth is it can be quite fun. Picking a couple of friends to play some friendly wagers before a game can immediately raise the stakes and make your Sundays even more exhilarating. That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Football fans, you can even bet after kickoff. So if it looks like your bet is fading, just take the other side. If you like to bet a lot, try a parlay. You can multiply your winnings and brag to your friends as the money rolls in. But now is the best time to join because MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. And I want to just really follow up quickly here on on that thought, uh, Antonio. People seem to forget that Lonzo's really young, right? Twenty two. That he's barely played really what? Just over hundred games in his career. So here's my thing. How does whether it's his teammates, your coaching staff, whoever, how do you get this guy's confidence back up and kind of get him focused on what he should be doing a little bit more on the floor, like you mentioned, maybe going and attacking the rim, stuff like that.
2: Well, all you can do as a coaching staff is is talk to him about it and continue to instill confidence in Because I, I agree with you. I, I think People forget how young Lonzo is. People forget how young Josh Hart is. People forget how young Brandon Ingram is. Jackson Hayes is 19, one and done. Uh, Zion, one and done. Nikhil, extremely young. Like, people forget how young this basketball team is. So I understand the high expectations. I get it. But with the injuries and the schedule and all these other kind of things, you know, there's a such thing as high expectations and a realistic expectation as well. Um, And I I think my realistic expectation right now for this team is for them to compete. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just compete. If you compete, no one will be upset. You compete and let the chips fall where they must. And for Lonzo, it comes out to just like all these guys, all of us that are players, you can hear whatever you want to hear from whoever you want to hear it from. It's on you to translate that to the floor though. And we've seen games this year where Lonzo has been incredible incredible floor game, you know, where he's shooting the ball, his shot selections there. He's passing up open shot for better shots, collapsing defenses, finding guys wide open for three, getting to the foul line. All of these, my, Lonzo was my favorite player. And I told him that Lonzo was my favorite player coming out in the draft. And the reason it wasn't because of his jump shot and his three point capability is because he can impact the game in so many different areas outside of scoring, i.e. Jason Kidd, someone like that. You know, he ain't got to score the basketball to be impactful. He can rebound. He advances the ball just as good as any guard in this league. And then sometimes when you work on something so much, you start to think that's who you are. And I would never want Lonzo to think that's who he is. The three-point shot has to be a piece of who you are, especially in this pace and space league. But he does so many other things. He defends. He passes. He has a high basketball IQ. You know all of these other things that he has in his toolbox that we have yet to see on a, on a nightly basis. We will though.
1: Yeah, we've seen the glimpses, right? I mean that Phoenix but, game. That that's he had the stretch where the, he ended the third quarter with that incredible pass to Hayes which obviously got everybody excited with that monster dunk, but that fourth, he he did something positive with every possession for like six or seven possessions in a row. So yeah, Antonio, we just want to see those glimpses just become more of a thing just like everybody else listen, now we've got to flip. What's, what's
2: that? Yeah, it, it comes down to consistency of, right. of everybody individually. And if you're consistent individually to do your job, that will translate to overall consistency as a team. If you know coming out, like I was a role player in this league for 13 years. I knew what my job was. My job wasn't to go out and score 20 points a night. My job was to control the second unit, not turn the basketball over. When I get in the game, to increase the lead, Or keep the lead the same, not lose it. You know, if I did my job, it made it better on our team to do our job collectively.
1: Right. Okay, we got to move on to the big topic. And I got a two-parter for you, and it's going to involve Zion. Um, We all have heard, obviously, everybody weigh in on Zion, his timetable, how it seemingly is constantly been moving. First, uh, Antonio, I would like to get your perspective, your take on it, because you're around the team all the time. Has it seemingly changed to you? And second, have you been able to witness him doing any of the on-the-court stuff that we've heard about, like some of those light exercises, basketball-type drills yet? Uh,
2: to answer the first part, um, I know the way the, the injury process works. I've had a meniscus tear. Obviously, I wasn't 19 years old. I was at the end of my career. Um, I know how the rehab process works um and and the biggest difference with Zion as opposed to me number one I was obviously at the end of my career but also with him like he's a long-term investment you know it's so funny how how much injuries have shaped the NBA this year you know you look at some of the top stars and that's one of the reasons to me that ratings are down that ain't Mm -hmm. there play ain't there ain't there uh Draymond I mean uh Uh, Zion's not there. It's a ton of guys this league that have been injured. And the most important thing to the organization is that you don't rush that guy back. You get that guy back when he's healthy and when he's ready to go. Everybody in the league wants to see Zion play. Everybody. We all want to see Zion play. You don't think that that me as an analyst, after what I saw in the preseason, I'm ready to see Zion on the court? Yes, I am. Great young man, humble, humble and exciting. I've never seen anything like it. But you know what? I don't just want to see him now. I want to see him long-term. And that's where I think people are misinformed about the training staff. You know, um, well, they brought in Aaron Nelson and, you know, everybody's injured. Well, you know, trainers can't prevent injuries. They can't prevent them. Their job is to heal guys and help guys get back to health as quickly as possible, but also to keep guys away from themselves. And there's so much that happens behind the scenes that people don't see that people don't understand um so yeah I'm ready to see Zion back out there I'm 100 percent ready to see him back out there but I'm ready to see him back out there long term long term you know so um I'm sorry I don't know if that answered your question or not but
0: no that uh, was spot on. Was there- uh, the second one was the on-court activities, which you already answered. So I actually want to hop in and follow up on this Zion one because you you said and you reiterated uh, long term there. And I spoke to Jeff Stotts of in-street clothes, and he was basically just referencing the amount of weight over his knee. I'll I'll give you his direct quote. He says concerns about his size and weight are warranted, as a higher body weight does impact the cartilage of the knees. Studies have shown a higher body mass increases the load on the knee and negatively affects cartilage integrity and increases the risk of a potential meniscus injury uh, obviously uh david griffin has referred to him famously as a population of one and he he That's derives great. all that power from from his body mass but with that being said antonio are you concerned at his 285 pound frame
2: I, I will be 100 honest with you here, and i had this conversation with multiple former nba players i'm not and you know why i'm not because as a player, you have to play at a weight that is comfortable for you, not everyone else. You know, there are times where I have played and the different guys that I've talked to, they have played and someone may say, oh, you know what, you're too skinny. Or, you know, whatever it may be. You have to go at a weight that you feel comfortable, where you feel like you can be at your best. And by your best, I mean, your feet are quicker. You're as explosive and you're agile, you know, because sometimes what people don't take into consideration is when you lose or add something weight wise, you're losing and adding something in the agility uh, and strength part that you've never had before, as well. You know what I'm saying? So if I play my entire career at 200 pounds or 195 pounds and then they're telling me, well, you know what, you need to put on 10 more pounds. And I put on 10 more pounds, and I can't blow by anybody anymore. Or I'm not as explosive as I once was. Now, that changes things. So I think as a player, you have to find out what weight is most comfortable for you. And then you're okay with that. And you live with the results. You know, it's about where – and the thing is, he's 19 years old. He has a high metabolism. And, and what's wild is if people see Zion, Zion's cut up. Zion is cut up. That, that young man is, is, is built like a, like, a, like a 19-year-old superhero. There's no one in this world that will reject having a body like Zion. Nobody. But now when a guy gets hurt, what we do, I'm talking about everybody. We've talk, I've talked about this on my NBA radio show quite often. Everyone then becomes a nutritionist and a doctor. Oh, I think he should, oh, I think he should, well, I think he should do this, and I think he should do that, and I think he should sit out for the rest of the season. Man, listen, at 19 years old, Zion has to learn the same way we all did. And Griffin, understand this, he is, he's a population of one, because I'll I'll ask you guys this question. Give me another guy in the history of the sport. Any other guy in the history of the NBA, where you can say, you know what, man, Zion is exactly like that guy and by that i mean height i mean weight i mean explosiveness i mean agility and strength give me one guy
0: there's nobody the closest comparison i can possibly think of is charles barkley and i think he was six foot five uh 280 pounds i think he dwarfs lebron james in that regard by something like 20 pounds so just in terms of sheer bulk and athleticism uh there's there's nobody i can think of like him
2: Right, and and that's the that's the difficult part. Throughout the history of this league, think about how often you can say that about someone. Like as far as their physicality and their attributes, he's genetically blessed. Mm-hmm. And this is a first for everyone. This is a first for everyone. So it's not like there was another Zion ten years ago that given us the, that given. Uh, David Griffin and Aaron Nelson, these guys, the blueprint on what to do moving forward. No, this is something that they have to learn as well. But I tell you what, it, it's a, you can ask, you cannot ask, and I'm, I'm speaking for this Pelicans organization, I'm speaking for the Pelicans fan base, you can ask for a better young man and a better future star to build your team around.
1: I and love so, your answer, Antonio, because you're right. Charles Barkley, what do he weigh, about 250 pounds, and LeBron's been like, what, around 260, 265 a lot, and look, they've been largely healthy throughout their careers, and they certainly haven't had anything that has basically been, you know, a direct correlation to their weight and size of limiting their minutes. So yeah, I love your answer. So sorry, go ahead, Preston. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, that's perfect.
0: Cause I was actually just going to go ahead and wrap up. You guys can follow him at a Daniels 33. Of course he hosts his show weekdays one through four on Sirius XM. Uh, and also he sits alongside uh, Joel Myers on Fox sports. And only you guys can hear him on the call tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, it's been about a quarter of a season for you, Antonio. How are you liking the new job?
2: Oh man, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, it's different um because it's it, you know after doing you know in studio analysis where you get to you have to react and have time to react to everything so you know when you go in at halftime you're reacting to the first half you go in post game you're reacting to the entire game and the following game, you're reacting to the previous game so um this is it's fun and the energy within the arena is amazing i'm getting an opportunity now to see um guys that i played with guys that coach me um former teammates, all, all of this other kind of stuff. And and obviously being around this team is, it's awesome. It's a fantastic group of guys, a great coaching staff. And again, it, it, you're going through a, a rough stretch right now, but, you know, for this team to get where it's going to go and trust me, this team will get there. I'm saying that honestly, this team will get there. It may not happen overnight, which it won't happen overnight, but the talent, um, the youth, You look at Jackson Hayes, Dion, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Brandon Ingram. You know, look at the future for this team. And by future, you can be be talking about the end of this year, you can be talking about the beginning of next year. When this team gets healthy, and I've said this from day one, when this team gets healthy, they are going to be a problem. Austin Rivers said the same thing we played in Houston. When this team is healthy, it's a playoff team. The problem is this team has not been healthy yet. And as an analyst, I am truly excited to see when this team gets healthy because I know how this changes. There's so much white noise and negativity around what's going on within this New Orleans Pelicans team right now. Watch how quickly this changes. Watch how quickly the the negativity turns to optimism when you start to see, you know, some of these things actually start to come together. There's a reason I picked this team to finish seventh or eighth in the playoff race. There's a reason. I, I stand by that. I do. I stand by that because if this team is healthy, I still think that's where they are, but they're not right now. The storm, they got to fight through to get where they want to go, and I'm here for it.
0: Well, your passion leaps through the microphone. And like you said, the Pelican strength of schedule remaining over the course of the season is 25th in the NBA. So they do have a much easier slate of games going forward. If they get Derek Favors back, if they get Zion back in a timely manner, obviously December has a brutal stretch and you'll be front row for all of it. But come January with a a full healthy slate of guys and a kinder schedule, who knows what could happen? That's all the time that we have. Antonio has been so gracious with his time. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, just retweet, share, rate us on iTunes. Of course, follow antonio and listen to him on sirius xm every day one through four eastern time uh and if you've already
1: rated us go ahead and
0: borrow somebody's phone and use that phone to rate us as well ali cosell anything you want to add
1: no just once again antonio thank you so much for joining us
0: let's dance and let's go pals